listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Hardin, and today we're talking about countertypes in the Enneagram. This sometimes forgotten group under our regular Enneagram subtypes can throw us off on typing ourselves, our spouses, and our friends and family. So I'm hoping today's episode will help shed some light on these personality types that really do sometimes make us mistype. And that can be important for our marriage growth, and it can be important for our personal growth. So I think this is going to be a really fun episode. Before we get started on that, I want to once again say thank you so much for the 100,000 downloads. We officially reached it last week. And I also want to say that I'm super happy to be with you today in this big week, if you're listening week by week, of election week. I'm praying that our nation is stronger and more united. And I know that we are in a tumultuous time, so I'm praying for that end of things too. And I have clients on all sides of the issue, so I'm praying for those of you, if you read my blog this week through email, was really heartfelt that I'm just sending a loving message, a reminder of peace to those whose candidate does not win. So, but I I love that we have this opportunity locally to vote for things as well as nationally. So I'm grateful with you and I hope you have a blessed week. I want to remind you not to go crazy on your tech. I want to remind you to take some self-care if you start having a panic attack or a moment where you're feeling depressed or sad to truly leave that at God's feet and truly take some time each morning to do your own spiritual cleanse so that you can get a foundation for where you're supposed to move with your giftings and your family and your world and your community. Cause there's an awful lot to keep you busy this week. I know I have such a busy week ahead of me, a little bit busier than usual, even with our glow project wrapping up soon. And also Wes and I have a getaway at the end of the week that I am looking forward to. So This is going to be a really big work week for me, and in the midst of it all, I want to make sure that we really connect with ourselves to make sure that we don't go down the road of not having any self-care. So don't forget that as you're thinking election. I already mailed in my ballot a while ago, so I'm good there, but I know a lot of you are like, I have to fit that in too. So good luck. Be careful. Be safe. And I also thank those of you who took part in Patreon or delivered a Venmo donation to the podcast because I had somebody do that. I didn't ask for that. So I really appreciate that. And I did a shout out and I appreciate the patronage because it does support the show in a different way versus my client work. So thank you. And I actually hope that it's a blessing to you too, because I love writing the extra blogs. And as we roll out merch for the season, you guys get extra discounts. And if you're a higher level Patreon support level, you get to actually get coaching and you actually get to spend time one-on-one with me or as a couple. So my card is not open otherwise right now, but it's Enneagram and Marriage Patreon. And I love to give back lots of teachings. I've also got my R&R books there that you get downloaded on even becoming the encourager tier, which is $10 a month. So that's a good place to start. But now let's get into our topic for this week, which is counter types. So each Enneagram type out of the nine types has three subtypes. And you've heard me talk about this in season one, episode four, right? We talked about how in general, the self-preserving type has their desire to just when they're in relationship with other people to say, I think I've got this. I think that when I'm stressed, I like to go within. And some of you will do that this week with elections. You won't want to debate and talk about things. You won't want to rally with your side that much. You'll just want to go within and read a book 
book and sit by the fireside or tune out to your show and you love to just take care of yourself. Then we have the social types who are probably our biggest ralliers right now who are saying, I really believe in this or that, whether it be not necessarily just political, but even spiritual where you're affiliated with a group or a group of people, because frankly, you know that in society, we won't survive without each other. And then we also have our group of one-on-oneers, and those are also called the intimate people or the sexuals. And they are people who really value that one-on-one connection. And they know how valuable a marriage or a best friendship can be for just connecting. And they want heart-to-heart meetings. And this just makes them feel so good and safe. And so if they have that, they know that they're good. And there's no right or wrong for these in the sense of we all have a little bit of each, but we typically lean to one hard, then we lean to another one fairly hard. And then we usually have a shadow side where we're like that other one, just I don't like it kind of a thing. So we know that that's how we generally roll with our subtypes. When you know your regular type, say you're a six, and then you know your subtype, social six, it can help. But with each of those types, one of the three subtypes is a counter type. And I really wanted to cover this with you because it's not often understood and people find such a hard time with typing themselves sometimes when they're a counter type. For instance, we all know about the counterphobic six. This is the most popular of the counter types. And people say, wait a minute, I thought sixes were full of fear, but counter sixes actually go against fear. So we'll go through them one by one. But what you're going to find is like this common example, the counter type still wants that security or whatever their main issue is for their personality type, but they go about it in a totally different way, which I find fascinating. And the counter six is also known as the sexual six. And so it's not always going to be that the sexual subtype is the counter type. Sometimes it's going to be the social subtype that's the counter type. And sometimes it's the self-preserving subtype that's the counter type. So I know that sounds confusing. And so that's why I want to make sure you realize three of the counter types are social, three of them are sexual, and then three of them are self-preserving. So that way you know, okay, just because I am maybe a five intimate slash sexual, that doesn't mean I'm the counter type. So you've got to listen to this episode so you can figure out if you're the counter type of your type. I hope that makes sense. (laughs) There's a lot of type here. So as we get to thinking from one, what is the subtype and is it a counter type? Let's remind ourselves that our subtype is basically a subsidiary of our typical Enneagram type. So if I'm a nine, we now have us divided, like I said earlier, into the three types. Those are our impulsive, instinctive responses to the stresses around us. So do we go within? Do we cling on to others or do we try to find that one person? And so you're already working on balancing that out. But now we're just adding on to the learning that you might even know, wow, I didn't realize I was the counter type. And now I'm going to teach you a little bit about that. So let's start with the type ones. We have our self-preserving ones. We have our social ones and we have our sexual ones or our intimate ones. And in this case, the intimate one is the counter type. The reason for this is that the self-preserving one is the classic perfectionist and the social one is really wanting social justice and to teach others about being perfect. But the sexual one doesn't just go with this whole, I want to be a perfectionist and do things perfectly. This one still wants to be right. But the sexual or intimate one 
really wants other people strongly to be right too and to fix other people and that helps them to feel good. Another important distinction of the sexual subtype is that while usually ones feel very moderate about all things and logical, the sexual one wants to achieve goodness and rightness in relationship by filling up on relationship content. So they really want to get to know their partner more. They want to make sure they learn the best ways to deal with a relationship. They can become very passionate or even obsessive about these things because they so badly want to be filled up by their partner. And with this one, I often do self-esteem work because I realize a lot of the time they do lean on the two wing, not always, but they're helpers a lot of the time and they want to give good things back. They really do like ones want to bring good to life, but they just sometimes struggle so much with how to do that. And they forget those other two parts of themselves. Like I said, the self-preserving and the social where sometimes they need to be reminded What is a healthy social way for you to get some of this excess sexual energy out? What's a healthy way for you to take some time for you to learn self-care and just to learn that whole self-esteem that you are good and right, even if your relationships aren't perfect? Because like I said, they're working so hard in their relationships. So they do still have a lot of the classic one features where they're going to take really good care of themselves and they're going to want others to do the same. And they're often going to feel very let down by their partner not doing that. And so the complaining is going to not go in as much. It's going to go out more. So it's very much, yes, they have an inner critic, but it's much quieter than that critic to others. And they have logic and they want to do things well. But all of that usually takes a backseat to their passion for love and finding love and changing their partner. So this kind of a one in a marriage can be overwhelming to the spouse because they really need to back off and say, I'm okay no matter what. And I'm loved even if you don't know exactly how to love me. Sometimes they have to work through sexual abuse trauma or just other self-esteem issues or abandonment issues so that they don't flip out on their partners and leave them just because they're not perfect. So that's an important thing for you to know if you're a counterphobic one or the counter type one so that you don't do that to your people because I know you love your people. And here's where I think you bless your people is I think that you bring not only the beauty and goodness of that one going to four and the fun of one going to seven, but you actually bring out a lot of romance and intimacy and the healthy side of four. So you really have a beautiful balance of uh, head, heart and body quite naturally when you're in your element, when you start to balance the subtype out with the other two. And you can still say, yes, generally I'm the counter one, but you don't have to be completely defined and enveloped by it. Okay, moving on to the counter two. Of course, you know, we have our self-preserving, our social and our sexual twos. And in this case, the counter two is the self-preserving two. And this two looks a little different from the typical giver or helper two in that they aren't quite as motivated to give to others. They love to give, but what they really want is to be given to. And so sometimes that's because this two was an only child who was doted upon. And sometimes it's because they simply really just like it. I mean, you have to give that some bearing too. Where am I most comfortable? It has yes to do with genetics, but it has to do with environment, personality. And so we can surmise all day on why. But what we really need to know here is what. And the what is that the counter to acts childlike. They don't act like this helper who's coming to rescue others all the time, but they even sometimes sound very young in their voice of, hi, take care of me. 
And it's like this, oh my gosh, you're so charming and sweet. I want to take care of you so much. You are just awesome. And I love to take care of you. And so we can fold in and find that we like taking care of this kind of a two and they're so sweet and kind, but this is where the manipulation of a two can come in that I want you to take care of me all the time. And, oh, I didn't realize how to pay my bills. And I didn't realize that I would need to fix dinner and all these things that are just important life features that we all need to be able to do for ourselves. And this is something that really this kind of a two does well to say, okay, I can rely on my people, but where am I giving back? And yes, I want to find my worth through giving. But in this case, you can hear with the counter two, they're finding their worth through other people giving to them. So they have to believe that they have capacity and that they have enough to give to others. So they also have to do self-esteem work and they have to figure out that grit is part of every person's job to be able to grow each day and to say, I'm not going to just allow others to take care of me, even if I could put on that emotional histrionic crying festival or uh, I think of young brides when I think of this because I think every young bride has a bit of the two in her in this way and and partly because I think society has brought us up in our cultural shows to think that we would ride off on the white horse and be completely taken care of. And so I think that's important for us to realize that we all have growing to do, but this is the growing for the counter too, is to say in terms of self-preserving, there's another whole aspect I'm missing and that is learning to take care of myself and learning how to fish for myself, tie my own shoes, whatever it is. We are so grateful for your hearts of love and we wanna see that heading out to others, not just back to you, because we believe that you too have competence and that you do not have to rely on just your charms in order to get what your needs are. You can actually meet a lot of those needs yourself and then you can give and find that others are eager to give back sometimes too, but it, it needs to be balanced. So just pay attention to that if you're that counter too. Okay, now moving on to the threes, we know of course that there's the sexual three and that's not gonna be the one because this three is out there and really wanting to focus in on their person and they're really wanting to make sure that they are just seen as doing whatever it takes to do what they need to for their person. They're not ashamed of that and they're beautiful in that way. I love the romance of this. We also have the three who's the social three who's able to get on that platform and perform and achieve and meet all those marks and help us in society to do better as a whole. And we love that three. And I feel like I'm doing a cursory almost an injustice to these 27, but I want you to really focus on the counter here. So I'm glossing over them a little bit. And then we have our most importantly in this counter example, we have our self-preserving three who understands that ambition can look like pride, can look like unhealth, can look like showing off. And so they've learned that with society. And so there's this opposition going against the flow and they are now saying, I, I feel it, I want to achieve, but I know that that's not necessarily healthy, so I won't show you that I'm doing it, and I'll instead try to do this more on the sly, that I do perform and achieve and maybe still have all the issues that a three needs to work through, but I'm in denial about them. And this can be very dangerous because the issues of the three, just like every type, are significant. And you don't want to just sweep them under the rug and keep working and say, oh, well, I don't struggle with ambition. I don't struggle with making others jealous and trying to be glorious. I'm humble. And yeah, that's true, but you're still probably overworking and hurting your relationship and your spouse maybe not like the two whose spouse may say, gosh, I'm counterphobic two spouse. I have to take care of them all the time. But this counterphobic three spouse says, 
not only is my spouse a workaholic potentially, but they don't even own it. They're out of touch with this side of them because they know it's not right, quote unquote, to say this. And so they're pretending that they don't, but really they're checked out and they are leaning on achievements to get their personality needs met and to find love. And so you do want to tell your three, if you're with a counterphobic three, I love you for what's underneath and really look hard for ways to be vulnerable together so that you two don't have to feel like this is not going to be possible for you that you have to keep going on this unhealthy cycle where they're always getting their needs met through other things. And that can lead them to other people. A three who is not in touch with themselves can be led to other people too. So you definitely want to make sure that you are looking at your three with love and hopefully they know their issues. But if they don't, that you guys can work through those together to find their type so that they can begin learning how to enjoy what they like and not having to be the chameleon to everybody else or play the part, especially in secret here. The type four has three qualities as well. And so we have the sexual four, which is a little more angry in tone and, and more open about what's important to them. And then we also have the social four, who's really working hard to make sure that they tell people socially how they're feeling and that they want to make sure everybody knows, here's my issues. I've been a victim. And then we have the self-preserving four, more tenacious. And this four is the counter four. This four is the one who says, I will push through. I'm not going to be a victim. I'm not as much inhibited in my body to do things, but they are still feeling like they're a victim deep down. And so they try really hard to get out of victimhood, not by necessarily self-esteem, but by work. And I'm reminded of the scriptures that talk about it's not by works, it's by grace. So this four needs to hear this, that this is not about you just working harder tenaciously. I love that you do. And we were saying that the counter two needs to learn this, but what you can learn from them is that you're beloved even already. And so you don't have to just work to be beloved. You are from the moment you're born, no matter what. And so I want you to take that in and I want you to see what you can take off your plate. And you might even find in your marriage that you're taking on way too much and codependent on your spouse. And just like, you know what, I'm going to work harder because I'll have enough love for the both of us. So it's not that we shouldn't sometimes just put on that extra love, guys. Trust me, you do have to do that. Sometimes there's a season of your marriage where your spouse is checked out, anxious, depressed, you name it. But I also want you to realize that many times it is time for you to speak up and stand strong and say, no, I need this. I want this. And I really love well so that I deserve this too. And that's important. And honestly, your spouse, just like I say to the nine, sometimes will show up bigger for you when you respect yourself. So be brave, self-preserving for, see what you can take out of your schedule. Remember, you don't have to do it all and burn yourself out and understand that you do need to understand this heart triad part of you may be forgetting your worth. I would hate that for you. And especially I feel passionate about this one because this is the one sometimes I test when I score not seven and I score four and four is in my tri-type. So I'm like, we have to make sure we stand up for us. Okay. So we have our fives next and our fives are our socials and our sexuals and our self-preserving and our self-preserving five is our castle. Who's pretty much the classic standard five. This is not going to be the counter type. They do go within. Then we have our social five who I had read in one setting is the counter five, but actually learned from Beatrice Chestnut's works. That's not the counter five because it's almost like intuitive that you'd be like, Oh, the social five is the counter five, but the social five is actually just looking 
looking for society and for leaders in society to help them to have their research and information so that they can still introvert and go within and not have to overgive. So here's where the counter five comes in is usually fives are moving away and this flow is moving towards it's the sexual five. It's the five that says, I want relationship, but they're looking for the perfect other. So it's important for this five to realize there is no perfect other and you are on an endless quest. And it doesn't mean that there aren't potential heartthrob moment crushes fantasies that you can have that aren't going to be fully fulfilled because you are a five and you're like, I love my fantasy life. But it's like, this doesn't mean this is real. If you are in real relationship with this person for extended period of time, not in an affair, it's not going to be this way. It's going to be that you still have to do your drudgery coupon conversations and you're still going to have to live life and face your mortality. There, I said it, your nihilism cannot rule. It has to be faced and you have to do your work. So you might as well find your partner that you're already with is a good person. In most cases, you picked well, you're a five, you have a lot of wisdom, celebrate them for their gifts and who they already are and what they already are for you. And then you can start moving into your own work and growth and being brave and realizing that as you balance out your subtypes and start to head a little more into your social subtype in general, doing things in society, and then your self-preserving subtype where you say, but it is okay for me to have some resources hidden away so that I'm taken care of too, that you might feel more at ease to say, okay, my spouse is great, or I'm looking for a person, doesn't have to be a perfect person, but I do have to have these certain features in that person. That's totally okay. And I don't want you to either have low self-esteem where you put up with too much too. Okay. So moving on to the six, like I said, six is the classic example of the counter type because we're always hearing about the counterphobic six, which is the sexual six in this case. So briefly, the other two are more in line with being loyal and following an important crowd to them and not just following the crowd. Obviously, they have to do their work of learning to think for themselves and not always trust the authority, but they're trying to preserve resources, troubleshoot and all that in traditional loyal ways. Now, the counter six is somebody who's looking to stir the pot a little bit and say, I don't like the way things are. And I might follow the person who nobody else likes, or I might be that person and take the lead, but they're really trying to fight fear more directly. And so they do still desire security, but they're moving away from other people that are traditionally thought of as good leaders. And sometimes in a marriage where I've seen this go south is I've seen in a marriage, they, them say, my spouse isn't taking care of me. Um, the mean part of me is coming out. And so some counterphobic sixes are fantastic and they need that mean part to show up. And it's not even mean, it's just standing up. But sometimes there is a mean part and it's like almost like another named person. Like this is the, I don't even want to give it a name because I don't want any of you to have that name. But let me give an old biblical name. This is the Jezebel side that comes out and says, I really want to destroy good things and hurt people because I've been hurt. And we don't want you to work that direction as a counterphobic, we want you to move in the direction of health always, even if you do have to be counterphobic and you're like, that is my type, I'm proud of it because I've learned that I can't always trust people. And that's part of my growth and identity is learning how to be trustworthy myself. And this is a much more healthy version, not the version of I'm a sexual six, so I have to go find somebody to meet all my needs, like I was saying to five, but 
know I can be passionate and strong in my own right. And also you've got to be careful that you're not overly testing people as the counterphobic six where you're not saying nobody can be trusted with everything. Therefore, nobody can be trusted with anything. Don't make that fallacy because I want to make sure that you are aware that people still have levels of trustworthiness and you don't have to write everybody off or just because you've been hurt in the past doesn't mean that you have to stay hurt all the time and say, I'll never be able to trust because this really isn't fair to your spouse. They have earned your trust at one point and they have broken it because marriage is long and sometimes things happen where you say you've been late too much or something bigger could happen too, but it could be little things that you're just like, I thought that you liked my sister or I thought that you I thought that you wanted to spend time with my family, or I thought that you thought my cooking was good and now you said you hate it, or it could be you never take me on date nights and now I'm going to revert into this counterphobic person who doesn't trust you anymore. So I want to watch you right there so you don't commit that fallacy of thinking again that anybody else could do it perfectly and that your spouse isn't and that they deserve to be left. Because it isn't to say that people don't sometimes deserve to be left but we're all imperfect. And so to think that there's somebody on the other side who is perfect is a fallacy. It's important for you guys. Okay, moving on to sevens, we have our typical sevens, self-preserving and the sexual seven who are looking to live big. They want gluttony. They want to be passionate. They have that fantasy life going. They want to withdraw to take care of their own needs because they actually, unlike twos, haven't believed that everyone would always take care of their needs. But the social seven says, I realize this, but I want to be giving back to society. I want to be loving everybody. I know this is the seven that's the favorite amongst Enneagram teachers typically, and I've even heard it said that the other two are not as good. And I'm like, oh, sad. As my niece says, cry and puts her finger down her cheek. I'm like, oh, I think that there's good to every single subtype. So I was kind of sad when I heard that because I was like, I really hope that we can all be honest without being cruel to each other. Um, and I think that we do have work to do. If you're not the social seven, you have a lot of work to do. I have a lot of work to do. We have to step out of our anxiety and take care of others. And that's a daily commitment I make to myself. But I wouldn't say anymore that I'm the social seven because when I was personally the social seven, and I'll explain the marriage issues of the social seven that you can have, you can be working so hard and holding every plate just to hold up that joy for everybody that you're not taking care of yourself and you're not taking care of your marriage. And you've probably heard me say in the past that I was easy for me to trick myself because I'd say you're getting your spiritual self-care you're leading a bible study and you're getting your workouts in winning all these races and that's making the world happy and your family is happy because you're getting medals and you're showing your worth and it wasn't the way to live and it was very giving it was a lot of volunteer work and a lot of fun and making my husband think that everything was okay because I wanted it to be. And I can still remember doing the social experiment on myself saying, I do it once in a while still, but mostly I try not to. But it was like, you're tired, you're weary, you're hurting, push harder, because that's what you're going to do in order to make the world happy. So that was really false. It's like Dwight in the office, false. It didn't work. It burnt me out completely. I had to take a sabbatical from my practice as a master's level psychologist and really do something else for a couple years, about 10 years ago, because I was totally burnt out. And thank God I was able to leave the field. I can still remember when I was working with this wonderful family and this mom and her single daughters from inner city Detroit, and I was just holding it together for them. I'm like, oh my gosh, like you have no idea what's going on. So I had to gracefully slip out of that practice. They were one of my favorite families and their favorite song as a family was Phil Collins, You'll Be In My Heart, which 
which is one of Jack and I's favorite songs, my son. So I'm like, oh, I think of them too. But, you know, I was able to refer them out. But it was a time in my life when I just was so leaning in on holding things up for everybody. So watch out for this if you're the counter seven and you're like, hey, I'm taking some pride that I'm like the the good seven. You have to be aware that there is no good subtype that's better than the others in the sense that we do require balance. And I believe that we were made to have and to hold balance. And it just took me some time because I wanted to make everybody happy. And I was testing out to see if I could, and I just couldn't. So now sometimes I have to let people be mad at me or say no. And that's the hardest thing still to this day, but I do it and it feels really natural and human. And you're not up there on this level of serving everybody. You're just like, I'm human. This is the way it is. And this is the way back to Mando, which we did watch the new Mando this week. So that was fun. So, okay, let's move on to eights. Eights, you guys have your counter type to be not the one we would actually expect, I think, with the eight, because I think of eights as having this big personality. But what I forget is that they have the antisocial quality too, where they do move away quite naturally. So the eights that are not the counter eight are the self-preserving eight and the sexual eight, because they're more, hey, I need to get what I need and then I need to move away or let's me and my bride move away or my groom and we will leave the world behind. But then we also have, so in this case, like I said, it's going to be the social eight who says, no, I go towards people and I help the underdog and I love to lift others up and I love to champion for them and I love to lead the troops into battle and support them in every single way I can. And this eight can go on for a long time without breaks, but where you can imagine they can leave people in the dust is their spouse can be left in the dust because they're so busy championing for a group and they can say, you know me, I have to work long hours. I have to do my spiritual stuff with the whole group group, whatever, maybe you're a pastor or you're teaching children, whatever you're doing, this is the eight who is really got a lot of energy and using it beautifully. So it's not, counter types are not bad, but it's just this person's spouse and family can be left in the dust sometimes. And they might even get the short end of the stick where they're like, okay, you're going to get my second place of comfort, which is self-preserving eight. And I'm going to be harder on you because I really don't know much about the one-to-one eight who is more kind and generous toward the individual and really getting to know people one by one and being vulnerable. So you have to realize that if this is you, you have to take it down a notch. Ask your family, how are you doing with it? Ask yourself, am I at a healthy age to go this pace that I'm going? And what could I be sacrificing in unintentional ways that is not healthy for my family by this rate and this pace of caring for many, many, many people? So that social eight needs to watch out for that. But we love you eights that we feel like you're doing so many good things in the world and you are. So we're proud of you too. Nine, let's move on to figuring out our sweet nines, our nines, our strong nines, our rivers. And this is a great analogy for a nine, by the way, if you haven't heard that one from Enneagram Institute, I love thinking of nines as the great river who carries everybody along with them. So our nines are people who really are, of course, the typical three types 
And our self-preserving nines are the ones who often have one wings and are more usually organized and at home and finding their peace by reading or doing things quietly by themselves. And they can introvert and just enjoy themselves totally that way. And then we have our one-to-one nines who sometimes merge so much with their partner that they really do forget themselves and they have to work on that. Of course, they have to work on self-forgetting and getting to know themselves outside of their partners. Just like I say with three, sometimes with that chameleon thing or with six where we say, don't just follow the group, get to know yourself. The three sixes and nines have so many connections, but we have our counterphobic nine or our counter nine, who is our social nine. And this is the nine who may sometimes have an eight wing, may sometimes look like a three in their workaholism. And they're truly the nine that is still wanting peace at the core, but they want it within groups and they're willing to sacrifice themselves to get it. So they might be more of a diplomat than just peaceful at home. And they may be really sacrificing of themselves in big martyr kinds of ways. And that's where their overhaul comes in and their workaholism because they're really trying to let the whole family feel good and they know the importance of the group and they love the group. And I've said that before to my nine daughter that I know she loves the group and I've learned about her. Sometimes I've said, oh, you know, I know you don't like this song when her friends are in the car and she'll say, yes, I do. And it's like, okay, this is where one of my very few teen issues comes in with her is kind of working with this side going, oh, okay, the group is here. Let me take a back seat. But also as we want to help our nines to develop, it's important to say to a social nine as a couple, you know, make sure that you don't give over yourself entirely to a group and leave your spouse in the dust because you know, oh, the family is more important, the family or the extended family. And so you might even have just one person that you're like, I'll do that with. And we said that's more of the one-to-one nine. But when you're finding yourself wanting to please everybody, just remember something social nine, you can't please everybody. And for nines, it's so important that the more people get to know you, the more they actually like you. So when you just lean into the whole crowd and say, I have to do what everybody likes, that's really that's really important for you. And even when I think of my daughter and the example I just gave, she might have just been telling me, no, mom, you're wrong. I don't like that because she does have that eight wing and she has been learning so much how to exercise that voice. So without overanalyzing that example, just understand yourself as a social nine that we don't want you to become a workaholic and we don't want you to lose sight of what's important, time to yourself and time in your marriage. We want you to make sure that you don't ever say, I don't need that. But what's funny about these counter types is they can fool you on the other side too. Not only can you think that the other types are the only ways of living life, the other two subtypes of each type, but sometimes you can think the counter type is the only way because sometimes when we see a nine, my daughter who's a four will tell us, I don't think that person's really a nine. That's nothing like Melody. And we're laughing going, oh, because Melody's the counter nine. So Hannah has a misconception of what a typical nine looks like because she lives with a counter nine. So it's fun to think this all through. I bet that you've, by listening, seen yourself or somebody else in this counter example. And I'm proud of you if it's you and you're like, oh, I have some counter in me because that means you're shifting around and you're learning how to balance out your your subtype really well because that's the goal and you can ask your spouse 
which one do you think I am? Because I've noticed with spouses, sometimes they say they're one and then their spouse thinks they're another one and it can really create in them a good conversation, but be ready for emotions when this happens, when this happens with my couples and sessions. Sometimes there's big emotions that go with that because we carry out our hopes that we look a certain way and we've been working for so long and so hard on not looking like one subtype and then our spouse is like, I totally see that you're that one. Or if you're like me, you're kind of backpedaling to try to just be balanced again between all three because you've leaned so hard into each one for so long. So just watch yourself that you're not leaning too hard in each one. And how I do that is I try to make my daily calendar and my weekly calendar ahead of time so that I'm not totally focused in on only one growth point, but each day saying, hey, how can I make sure that I'm balanced and loving others, loving myself and getting rest? And that's just a good way to do it. And I include Wes in that because it could be that with our both of us having busy jobs that we don't do that. And that's why I'm excited that we carved out anniversary time, but then it got to be delayed. And our kid's godmother is coming this weekend. We're so thankful that we are going to have some time just for him and I to have one-on-one time. And I was telling him the other day, I was like, I was thinking, oh my gosh, the beautiful, sweet quietness. We're learning how to just sit with ourselves. When we go into our one mode, we're like, oh, we have to care for every And so I still have some of that social seven in me and he definitely is a social one. So it's in him too, but we really know the value of marriage and I'm glad my field is marriage because that keeps bringing me back to it all the time. I don't know if I would otherwise. So those of you who don't share the field with me, make sure it's calendared, make sure that each part of your subtype is calendared. And that if you're the counter type, that you start explaining that to your spouse and say, you know how you never thought I was a two or a four. Well, this is how it works. I care about the same deep core values and issues. I have the same worries, but I just go about it in an opposite way. So I love you guys. I hope you have such a great week. I hope you'll leave a podcast review at Apple Podcast if this was helpful. If you want to be a deeper part of the community, I hope you'll check me out at Patreon. You can find that link through my Instagram. And most of all, I hope you have a blessed and safe week as we're dealing with all the craziness of elections. Take care, you guys. Bye-bye.